All right, well, good morning. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, turn over to the Old Testament, to the um, book of Psalms. We will be, as Austin mentioned, as you see on the screen behind me, we are going to take a uh, closer look at Psalm 23. I've kind of wanted to preach and teach on Psalm 23 for quite a while, and so here we are. Um, I will tell you that as we go through this study, I will be uh, leaning into a resource it's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. Uh, I actually have probably two or three copies of this, but it stayed at the top of my book stack. And um, so I've been leaning into uh, Philip Keller's work. He was in um, East Africa. He was born in East Africa, and he has an agricultural background, research, land management. And he also, uh, I think has, you know, always loved the outdoors and even maybe had some sheep himself. But he leaned in, I've leaned into his work because it's, uh, it's just been so helpful as we study something that we may be so familiar with. So as we go to dive into Psalm 23, it was penned by David. And scholars believe, and, and I would agree, that it was probably penned later in life. You, as, as we study this psalm, I want you to hear the calm but also the nostalgic that you hear through his heart of the Lord speaking through him as he penned this song. He, he's looking back. And so the thing especially that, that I challenge the first service, because that's our predominant senior saints, is what are they? Because I've asked this question time and time again. And you're like, man, you're a broken record. Well, yeah, maybe the spirit, maybe it'll click, right? Maybe, maybe somebody will hear this and actually apply it. But what are you doing? This is my challenge to the first service. What are you doing, like David, to leave what you've learned behind? And I would challenge you. You, you all, if we were to, let's just say, go off script and, and turn this into a testimonial service, many of you could stand up and testify of how God has worked and moved in your life. Amen? Don't take that for granted. You did not go through that for naught. You did not go through that just for no reason. But you've gone through that because the Lord is going to place other people in your path that you, can, that you will love and encourage because you know what they've been through. Don't be like some Christians say, oh man, I know what you're feeling. Do not say that if you have not been through that valley, if you've not suffered that pain. Other, uh, so we've got, um, we talked about Philip Keller's work. I'll also be leaning in, as I do with most psalms, into Warren Wiersbe. And so listen to what Warren Wiersbe had to say. He said, this psalm has a message for the sorrowing, but it's unfortunate that it's used primarily at funerals because Psalm 23 focuses on what Jesus does for us all the days of our life not just in death. Then he went on to pen these words. He said this. He said, while people of all ages love and quote this psalm, its message is for mature Christians who have fought battles and carried burdens. I would take it a step further, somewhat disagree with him, and I would say, and I would submit to you this morning, that it is for maturing Christians Amen? As we slow down and we take a deeper dive into the 23rd Psalm, I hope that you see 
some different things. I hope that the Lord gives you hope. I hope that he gives you clarity as we study this psalm. Don't become all too familiar with something. Amen? Because the Lord still has things that he wants to teach us. So let's look at our text today. Our text today is Psalm 23, verse 1. Lord willing, we'll probably step verse by verse through this psalm. And so this, this, David pens these words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, one reason I kind of have had this book and has been near my desk for quite a while is because I believe that there is a disconnect in today's world with the imagery that we see in Scripture. Amen? How many of you, by show of hands, own sheep? Not one of you owns sheep? <laughs> so, like... If we don't own sheep, and we read this psalm, and we talk about sheep, and we talk about shepherds, that's something that's foreign to us, amen? We, it's not something that's a part of our culture these days. It's not something that we live. So in 2021, yes, we have progressed, but sometimes we've progressed further than maybe we should. And so as we take a deeper dive into something that's so familiar, I want us to see some things that I feel like God has shown me, and there's going to be things that he speaks to your heart that I didn't even realize, that he just, he flowed through me, hopefully, as a willing and surrendered vessel. And so listen, if we're going to talk about shepherds, we're going to talk about sheep. Sheep are defenseless animals that are prone to get lost, and they need almost constant care. Sheep are messy. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are prone to wonder. And I don't remember whether it's Wearsby or Keller, but I want you to see this. As we're thinking about sheep, I want you to see this. Our mass mind or our mob instincts our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. So as we study sheep and Christ considers us what? That he's the shepherd and that we are his sheep. There's a parallel that we need to see. Just like sheep, we have fears. We're stubborn. Some of us are stupider than others. Some, you know, have perverse habits. There's some sheep, as I said in the last service, not at Bethel, but in other ministries we've been to, I, would, I prayed that they would wander away, right? But that's another story. Yet, despise these adverse characteristics. Look, Christ chooses us, buys us, calls us by name, and makes us his own and delights in caring for us. So let's look, and we're going to do something we haven't done before. We're testing something out. I'd like to do it in real time, but we'll, we'll, we've, we've makeshift. So first and foremost, as we begin to study Psalm 23, first, verse 1, I want you to see this first key word, the Lord. The Lord. This week, I, and I tell you stories all the time, because I can't make this stuff up. 
This week, I got up, sat up on the side of my bed, feet touched the ground, and I said, Alexa, thank you for this. Wait a second. God, thank you for this day. For those, y'all are a little bit more familiar with this. I had to explain what Alexa was in the last service, and they still looked at me like a deer in the headlights. But anyway, for those of you who may have Alexa or Google, like when I go home, I talk to Alexa a lot. Like in the morning, I'll say, Alexa, what's the weather for today? Or more importantly, the last week, I was like, Alexa, what's the weather at noon? I want to know whether I need, you know, certain layers or my rain jacket during the traffic at lunchtime at Chick-fil-A. Also, Like last night, I got ready to go to bed. I said, Alexa, turn off the front of the house. She turns off all the lights in the front of the house. I have about seven lights connected to that, right? I talk to Alexa a lot. But as we dive into this this morning, the Lord, you can't skip this fact. The Lord, who is the Lord? It's Jehovah. It's the proper name of the one true God. Philip Keller says this, look, our view of him is, is often too small, too cramped, too providential, too human. And because it is, we feel unwilling to allow him to have authority or control, much less outright ownership of our lives. And so I want to ask you this morning, is he Lord of your life? Is he your master? Is he the one that has authority and control and ownership of your life? Are you trying to do it in your own strength and your own wisdom? Is he Lord of your life? Sorry, I have to keep turning around, but I don't have it on the back screen, so I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Amen. Thank you, Grant and Wes, for what you guys do week in and week out to keep us, uh, you know, flowing technologically. Thank you. So listen, Lord or Master is seen hundreds of times throughout Scripture. Savior, only 24. As we think about Lord, as we think about his Lordship, what did Paul tell the church at Rome? In Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10, he says what? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's why when you make a spiritual decision, it is is a matter of heaven and earth, heaven and hell, amen. Heaven celebrates any time a child of God steps out of their comfort zone, steps out and says, look, I, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own wisdom. And so what do we do? We confess that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our hearts, and it's with the mouth that one is justified or confesses and is saved, and it's the heart that one is justified. So that's why we want to celebrate with you. When you step over and you make that decision in your life, heaven is rejoicing. But we should also be rejoicing with you as a body of believers. We want to rejoice in that. Do you see people, that maybe that's a prayer prompt, do you see people coming to Christ and us celebrating new life in Christ? Are you praying that the baptism pool here at Bethel Baptist Church may be filled? When was the last time that someone was baptized? Far too often, and I'm going to go from one, one sermon to the next, but far too often, it's going unused. 
And if we want to look at the, and we want to ask the question, is Bethel making disciples? Are we celebrating new life in Christ? People coming to Christ? Are we baptizing people? Simply, are people taking next steps? I didn't ask for you to make a jump. Each week I try to give next steps. It's not a huge jump. It's a next step. It's a next step into a deeper relationship with Christ. It's a deeper relationship into, into, into small groups and into that fellowship with other believers. It's, it's a next step into serving, putting feet to your prayers and allowing God to use you. So next I want you to see, so we talked about the Lord, the Lordship of Christ. Is he the Lord of your life? So next I want you to see, the Lord is my. My. He is a personal shepherd. He is a personal savior. For us, he, we say he's my shepherd. For him, he says they're my sheep. We are his and he is ours. Now, I want to tell you a story. And as I thought about, I'm probably going to mess this up. Sometimes I'm horrible to retelling stories. That's the worst way to introduce this, by the way. <clears throat> but just see if you can track with me. I heard somewhere along the way, some pastor, somewhere, some sermon, but it impressed and lodged in my heart and mind. And he was talking about the 23rd Psalm. And he talked about how there was a young man that went off to college and he came back. You know, Christmas time is coming. College kids will be back. That that young man came back and that he stood up in a service and he began to recite the 23rd Psalm. That he had memorized the 23rd Psalm. And there were people that were excited, right? How many young people do you know that are memorizing God's Word? How many of you are memorizing God's Word? Maybe as we go through Psalm 23 and we take it verse by verse, maybe you keep verse 1 before you this week. And you try to meditate and you try to memorize on that. So you have this young man and they're like, yay. And then as I told the last service, but then precious senior saint, one of whom came to mind and who is here this morning in this service, is Miss Virginia Taylor. So let's say, for example, Miss Virginia Taylor stood up and she began to say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. Right? There's a difference There's a difference. It's one thing to know the Scripture, and it's another thing to know the Savior. See, for if Miss Virginia was to stand up, I don't know her testimony, but if she was to stand up, some of you know her. You know the valleys and the mountaintops that she's been on. You don't have to stand up, Miss Virginia. I'm just, yeah, yeah, you you can just wave. You can just wave. So, if, if she was to testify, if she was to begin quoting that, just like that story that I gave you, people knew that he was her Savior. Amen? That she didn't just memorize Scripture, but she knew the Savior. It's one thing to turn to the passage, and it's another thing to trust the provider. 
Now, what's interesting is we talked this morning about the Lord is my shepherd. Keller mentions and hit on this. He said, each sheep man has his own distinctive earmark, which he cut into the ear of his sheep. And so I simply ask you this morning, do you have the mark of being a believer? Meditate on that. I'm glad you may be pondering that because there's a whole message, possibly a whole series of messages coming soon. (laughs) Because listen, as I'm reading, as I'm studying, I tuck things away. I have notes on my phone like sermon ideas, and that's one of them. And I think it's a four-part series, if I'm not mistaken, that I ran across and I was looking at this text. And it's the mark of a true Christian, a mark of a believer. These sheep, they were marked, the shepherd knew them, and they carried his mark. Do you have the mark of being a believer? Now listen, Philip Keller goes on to say this. So as we're thinking about the my, he's my shepherd. Look what Keller says. He says, the greater, the wider, the more majestic my concept of Christ is of Christ, the more vital will be my relationship to him. Obviously, David in this psalm is speaking not as a shepherd, though he was one, but as a sheep and one of the flocks. He spoke with a strong sense of pride and devotion and admiration. It was though he literally boasted aloud, look at who my shepherd is, my owner, my manager, the Lord is. Is he the Lord of your life? So the Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd. So what you see here on the screen is in essence kind of an inductive Bible study. There's different ways to denote that. There's different ways to box things in. But typically, like if you were to look at my notes most weeks, that's what I'm doing. You're, you're in essence, you're, you're seeing kind of step by step. Doesn't mean I always got there in a certain pattern. I might have got to one place or another, but you're kind of seeing that. And for us to sit down, because again, you say, oh, I know the 23rd Psalm, but do you? Do you know the implications of it? Do you know what Christ is really saying? Do you know what David is saying? Do you understand his heart and a heart of worship, a heart after God's own heart? So he is my shepherd. So I want to ask you this morning, I want us to think very quickly, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd watches over the sheep. He protects the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He works with the sheep. He guides the sheep. You see, friends, he's not only a personal shepherd, he's a protecting shepherd and a providing shepherd. He's personal, protecting, and providing. And Jesus himself says that not only is he just any old average shepherd, but that he is what? That he is the good shepherd. We see Jesus quoted in John's gospel, John 10, verse 11, and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I just got to say this. I am thankful, as we talked about earlier, in challenging the first service, challenging you guys. What are you leaving for those coming behind you? 
What are you passing on that you've learned? Those observations, those nugget of wisdoms, those scriptures that you've held to. You know, I keep a folder on my phone that's literally like ministry scripture. And so I have scriptures that have encouraged me. And, and there's one in particular that a friend of mine went through thyroid cancer. And he said, this is what gave me hope. I want you to know why I was sick laying in bed with COVID that found out that one of my wife's best friends from high school found out she had thyroid cancer. Hello, I got a verse for that. And so I shared that verse with her because my friend Les said, this is what got me through was that I, my hope was stayed in him pass it on. So after the service, Mr. Gordon, he came up to me and listened to what he said. He began to tell me a story. He said, Chris, he said, I st-, and, and it's a brief story. He said, man, I studied about sheep. And let me tell you something about sheep. You want to know something else the shepherd does? He says, there's these little parasites that bury them, that, you know, birth through the wool and they get down into the skin of the sheep. And the shepherd has to go and to get them out. And then he takes them to the water and he puts them in the water and, and he takes his rod and he, and he basically holds them underwater for like 20 or 30 seconds. And they don't want to be there and they don't understand what's going. And he raises them up and lets them catch their breath and he does it again. And this is what Mr. Gordon, he said, he said, God will make us uncomfortable to rid us of those things others can't see but are harmful to us because he cares for us, because he loves us. That's what the good shepherd does. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the provider, the sustainer. He protects us. He watches over us. He leads us. He guides us. Man, he is an awesome God. Amen? This weekend, scrolling through Twitter, that's what I do sometimes. I get bored. You know, it's like, hey, let's see what Twitter has to say. So I ran across this tweet from Christine Kane, and look at what Christine Kane had to say. She reminded her, her audience this weekend, and I want to remind you that we can go to God with everything. Our pain, our doubt, our questions, our worries, our anxieties, our disappointments. Our God is big enough, good enough, and faithful enough to handle it all. Friends, we are his sheep. We're not to be frightened, passive animals, but obedient followers, wise enough to follow the one who will lead us to the right places in the right time, um, ways at the right times. Amen? That he is going to lead us to the right places in the right ways and at the right times. Our God doesn't give us what we need before we need it, but if I was to ask for a sign of testimony this morning, some of you could stand and say, Brother Chris, I got to a breaking point in my life, and I didn't know where, where my help was going to come from. And at that exact moment, he came, and he provided in only a way that he can. He's not going to give it to you a moment too soon. The Lord is my shepherd, and then David says, I shall not want you know what that speaks of this morning? That speaks of contentment. Something that we are missing in our society today is contentment. Just this week, my wife ran into a young lady who I photographed their, um, their wedding. 
I used to have a wedding uh, photography business. And, you know, as I look back now, I'm like, God, you kind of brought me full circle. Maybe I should have, like, you know, been preaching, say, hang on, let me take a picture of that and come back, right? Like, I should have been spiritually investing in their lives, but I wasn't where I needed to be. But I think about that couple this morning, and, and as I think about me preaching and teaching on contentment, who became uncontent? Who became who wasn't content in that marriage? Was it the husband or was it the wife? Contentment. It's missing in our society today. So many young people are so like, we'll just throw in a towel. I'll just go get me another one. It's not what God, it's not what marriage is. Marriage is not a fight, but it's worth fighting for. Amen? God has put, for those married couple, for those people that are married this morning, the Lord has put your spouse in your life. Sometimes they may feel like spiritual sandpaper, and that's okay. Because God is using you to sharpen, using them to sharpen you, and vice versa. He's put you together so that you would be a helpmate. So that you would complement one another. Where you're weak, they're strong. Vice versa. Contentment. As I think about contentment this morning, I ran across as I was studying Genesis chapter 22. For those of you that are Bible scholars and familiar with your Bible, especially the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 22, that's the chapter where we have Abraham and Isaac. Isaac and Abraham takes his son Isaac, he lays him on the altar. And so it was there in that time that the Lord, he says, the Lord will provide. Again, God didn't give him what he needed ahead of time. He gave it to him at that exact moment. And so are we willing to be obedient to what God is calling us to do, even though it might not make sense, but that's what he wants. Because why? Our God is going to lead us to the right places in the right ways and at the right times. Friends, we want so much. I want this. I won't, I won't, I won't. There needs to be contentment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why do we come together on Sunday mornings? We come together to worship and praise the Lord, but we also come together so that we may recall what God has done in our lives this past week. How he has provided, how he has led you, how he's directed you. There are going to be some weeks you come in and, man, you're ready to praise the Lord. There are going to be some weeks that you drug yourself here and you're not sure why. And my prayer, Austin's prayer is that whether it's a song, a lyric and a song that's sung, whether it's a portion of a verse, whether it's some nugget of wisdom that God uses to speak through either one of us. Austin spoke something last week when he was praying. I'm like, dude, what was that? He was like, I don't know. It was fresh from the Holy Spirit. He was like, you got to try to make it up. He's like, I don't know. I don't remember what I said. <clears throat> right? So, are we finding our contentment? Paul knew contentment. He tells the church at Philippi in Philippians four eleven through 13, he says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this all-too-familiar verse that, that we seem to take out of context an awful lot, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we can't forget what he said, that Paul said there were times where he was brought low. He faced hunger. He faced plenty. He was content. Philip Keller went on to say, he reminded me of this, he said this, and I think this is all too important. And and what's interesting about this book, and I forgot to mention in the first service, but this book was copywritten in 1970, 50 plus years ago. It was in the 47th printing in October of 1979, which is the copy that I have. So imagine how many more times it's been printed. I think it's over like 2 million times. But listen to what he said in 1970. That's oh so true 50 years later. Truth doesn't change. Amen? One of the fallacies that is common among Christians today is the assertion that if a man or woman is prospering materially, it is a significant mark of the blessing of God upon their lives. That is simply not so. I pray to God that you never hear prosperity preaching from this pulpit as long as I'm behind it. Amen? Following Christ's cost. It is not name it, claim it, you know, it's going to fill your bank account. Ask my wife. She used to work at the bank. People would write tithes and offering checks that bounced. The pastors would give up and say, you, you give it and God will make sure it's there. Well, by the time the check got to the bank, it wasn't there and it bounced. Now, how does that look for believers? It happened, didn't it, honey? Time and time again. I went to one service one time. I saw them all break out their checkbooks, and I looked, and it was a safe check. I said, ooh, I wonder how many of these are going to bounce. But anyway, let's keep going. All right. So listen, just because you look around, don't get envious. Don't get jealous of what another man or another woman has. Why? Because they bought things with money they don't have. They, They bought things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. Dave Ramsey said that. And it's so true. It is so true. As I've taught my kids, boys, if somebody's driving a big old jacked up truck, that means what? They got the bill to go along with it. Amen? We are in debt up to our ears. Guys, listen. If this is the future of the church, Younger generations will not be able to give because they are so financially strapped in debt. They're worshiping the wrong things. They're trying to impress the wrong people with money they don't have. Seek the Lord and his plan for your life. Listen, the poor dream of having riches, the wealthy long for simplicity. And and as I was studying, I ran across this verse and, and some other whatever I was reading, and I was like, Lord, this is taped in front of my Bible. Thank you for this reminder. But it's the, thir- it's the 39th Psalm. It's verse 6 and 7. Actually, more of that's taped in the front of my Bible for another reason. If you want to know, come see me afterwards. I'll tell you that story. It's a beautiful story. Time is nigh. But listen, the psalmist says in Psalm 39, verse 6, we are merely moving shadows. All are busy rushing ends and nothing. 
We heap up our wealth not knowing who will spend it. But praise the Lord that as the psalmist penned that, he in turn in the next verse gave us the answer. And he said, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Hey, guys, as I study and and I'm reading and doing different things, I I felt like, you know, it's been a while since I've given you a prayer prompt. So I want to give you a prayer prompt this morning from Psalm 23, verse 1. Maybe some of you need to begin to pray this. Maybe somebody needs to write this down. Maybe somebody needs to make a note on their phone. Lord, help me to be content with blank. Help me to be content with my marriage. Help me to be content with my boss. Help me to be content with my church. Because guess what? The grass ain't always greener on the other side. If it is, it's because it's got good fertilizer. And we won't name what that fertilizer is. Well, we can't. It's manure. But anyway, hey, it ain't always greener on the other side. Amen. Lord, help me to be content with blank. I don't know what that is in your life, but maybe you just need to begin to pray that. And you need to be like David, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, help me to be content with this. Tony Evans, in his book, Praying Through the Names of Jesus, he has like basically some prayer prompts, some guided prayers, and he works off of Acts, um, the prayer acronym Acts. And I think it was the the supplication piece that he wrote this. He said, listen, look with me. Now, why do I share? This is a long drink of water. But the reason I share this is this reason. There might be one word. There might be a couple of words. There might be a phrase that you pluck out of this that you begin to pray for yourself. That's why we share this. Jesus, help me to listen to you as my good shepherd. Listening to you and following you will give me the ability to avoid so many pitfalls in this life. I am often stubborn, Jesus. You know that. So I ask that your gentle qualities as a good shepherd will proactively guide me away from temptations and disaster while simultaneously steering me towards your purpose and your plan. Hey, God, I am stubborn. Amen? I I am. I'm stubborn. It's on record. Hopefully it's recorded too. I'll come back and say, Chris, on October the 10th, 2021, you said you're stubborn. You still are. But may your gentle qualities as the good shepherd proactively guide me away from temptations and disasters and steer me towards your purpose and your plan. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Guys, as we close, as we close our time together today, you might be asking, why does all this matter? I'm going to tell you something that I told the first service. You know what drives me crazy? Oh, we, uh, well, as we end this service, dude, be still. Be still. 
your rustling or your pocketbook. We had one precious saint man. I, oh, I wanted Jesus turn the table moments multiple times with this lady. But anyway, one, you know, she'd have a zipper on her Bible. And you say, well, as we close this message, it's like, really? Really? Are you serious? Like, you gotta zip that, you gotta zip that Bible up. Why? I mean, listen, be still. And here's why I want you to be still. You be still because you never know the distraction that you may be of God wanting to do business with the person beside or behind or near you. It's serious business. It's bus- doing business with God. And so this morning, why does all this matter? Because Satan is doing everything he can to deceive, discourage, and distract you from growing closer to God. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took on your sin and he took on my sin because we couldn't pay the penalty of what was due that we may have life and have life abundantly and have have life when we remain and abide in Christ. So I have three questions I want to ask you as we depart today. One of these may apply to you. If we need to have a follow-up conversation, I want to be Austin. Well, he definitely got to be because he just lives across the street. But we want to be the last ones to leave. Amen? You come and if, it's, if we can pray with you, we're not asking you to come up in front of everybody, right? Just come, just come talk to me or him afterwards. And, and let me just pray with you. Let me just, let's have a conversation. Hey, man, will you give me a, you text me or call me? Let's, let's, let's talk about this more this week. But listen, these three questions I want to ask you, I want you to meditate, I want you to think on, is he Lord of my life? Is he Lord of my life? Is he my shepherd? I wrote that in all caps in my notes, my. Is he my shepherd? Do I know him? And friends, I want you to check your wants. Why do I want to check your why do you, I want you to check your wants? Because I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I sense a purpose and deep contentment because I am under his direction? Do I sense purpose and deep contentment because I'm under his direction? If you want to feel content, seek Jesus. If you want to know your purpose, seek Jesus. He is willing to guide and direct you. He is our good shepherd. He is a personal shepherd, a protecting shepherd, and a providing shepherd. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning, Lord, that, man, another Sunday service has come and gone. And Lord, there, there is probably one here this morning, Lord, I just sense you telling me this. There's one here this morning that has just been on the fence. Lord, they've been playing games with you. Lord, they know that they're, they're trying to live their life in their own strength, in their own guidance, in their own direction. And Father, thank you. Thank you that 10 years ago that you brought me to a place that you reminded me that I couldn't do it 
on my own. Father, I pray for your spirit. I pray that you would move. I pray that you would help someone today of one of these questions, one of these verses, one of these nuggets, one of these lyrics in this song. Lord, I pray that that they would take it with them. They would talk about it, that they would seek you, that they would dive deeper, or that they would ultimately take that next step into a deeper relationship with you and with others. Father, we thank you that we can find contentment, that we can find our purpose, that we can find our direction when we seek you and we're a man and a woman after your own heart, just like David. Lord, there will come a day where we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Father, direct us. But help us realize whose we are. Help us to realize how much you truly love us called us to be yours. Father, we, I pray that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we leave this place today. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't have hope, Lord, we're hope dealers. They've come to the right place. Father, let's Let's have that conversation. Lord, if there's one here this morning that was discouraged, I pray that they were encouraged by something that was said or something that was sung, and that your spirit reminded them of your great love. Father, we thank you and we love you, for we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.